0: you're the director yes, the show, right? yes so. yeah.
1: i graduated from gannon this past may what that 2018 i don't know the year <laughs> anymore um before that so i've uh, performed abroad in scotland with elena for the fringe festival i've performed in ireland when i did a semester over there i've assisted directed before with elena um I've auditioned for ERDAs for grad schools and I'm still in the process of applying for grad schools for acting. That's, yeah, awesome. that's a quick gist. I feel like there's more,
2: but I don't know. Oh, I'm know. sure there yeah, is. You yeah. can't
0: put one person into She's two. also yeah. a
2: fabulous just, she's a fabulous actor.
0: Thank she you. She is a resource to say. the Erie
2: community. She teaches acting at the Erie Playhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do this. yeah, Megan is and Megan has an interest in devised theater okay. as well as theater as therapy. Yeah.
1: The theater special, for healing like social justice theater is kind of my jam yeah right now and kind of always but yeah. that's
0: beautiful yeah. that's and that's a great transition into elena our yay guest. so as far
2: as drama shop is concerned i uh, i'm i work with drama shop and i'm the associate artistic director there and i'm on their creative team so i help currently a lot in the background of things there and uh, at Gannon, I uh, I teach here. I'm an assistant professor at Gannon University, teaching in acting and theater and culture. As well as I'm a director here. I uh, also am a fabulous actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> so yeah. I love playing with gender and archetypes and all the kinds of things that Megan just talked about. Um, I do really enjoy devised theater, new works, story circles, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Theater is community building.
0: So yeah, we just want to know about the process of sure. here of, am I saying it right? I feel like yeah, I should make it's, sure first.
1: Okay. It's H I R, but you pronounce it H E R E. So here. here. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Is that a different language? No, it's a uh,
1: gender pronoun. So okay. uh, different ones like she, he, here, Z is used in the show as well. It's a preferred pronoun in this case for a uh, transgender character who
0: identifies as here or Z. I feel so sorry that I didn't know that until right now. It's, it's okay. I that you know. Yeah, I do. And that's so that's the name of the show. Yes, and that's why. Uh, Just, uh, can you talk about the process of how things have been going? I mean, you've been rehearsing for how long now?
1: Um, About a week. So we've had four rehearsals so far. We Mm -hmm. have three more until opening night. And we just started, it's a stage reading. So, of course, we're going to start by doing a read-through. And at every rehearsal, I run a chunk or, like, full act or whatever. And I run it three times each because we have time. Uh, It's a quick process, but it's getting it in the actor's bodies so they know it, but also asking them the actor questions like, what does your character want? Uh, who is your person in this moment? Because it's the show is all about identity. Mm. Like, you have your typical identity of Max um, here, who identifies as here, but then you also have kind of archetype uh, characters, so the mother, the father, the brother, But even then, those switch from character to character, so you don't really know who's the mother in this moment. may not be the mom, it could be the brother. The father had a stroke, so in a way he's not capable of being the father, so maybe he takes on the role of the child. So it's a, it's a lot of playing with that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah.
0: I, I find myself just sitting here, I was a little, uh, I, I apologize again, like I said, I came into this not knowing a lot it's, about it's okay. the show, so I'm yeah. like open mouthed listening to the even uh, idea of it. And that was gonna be what I was, should have asked at the beginning was just what is here? Like if, if someone was going to ask and say like, just what is the show? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned identity, that's very important. Yeah. It, is there a way to give a synopsis of sorts, or is sure. that too strict of no. a construct? Yeah.
1: it'll be fine. Um, so the brother Isaac, older brother, comes home from war after being, I believe it's called Dishonorably Discharged. Correct, yes. Yeah, and so he comes into this home. His home is a wreck now. His uh, then-sister is now his brother, Max. And then his father had a stroke, and he didn't know And his mother is this eccentric woman, which in a way she's abusing the husband, but it's not right in front of you, it's in the background. So it's Isaac dealing with this whole process and jumping into the role of mother, a father, a brother to try to create order, even though order isn't wanted.
2: I love that we get to do reader's theater or um, stage readings is another word for the same thing Mm -hmm. that we do at drama shop. I think it's something that we do really, really well. It's a really good space for it. And it's a great way to highlight works that we don't necessarily have um, the, the ability to put on in a quote unquote full production. It allows us in our, mighty but humble theater to put on as much works as we can and expose people to all sorts of different kinds of new works, fringe works, important works um, with limited resources. So that's why I like what we do. And it's theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. So when picking a show like Here, Here was originally slated to be on our main stage. Okay. And then we, um, we acquired the rights to Dog on the Night. Mm. Um, and then it now it is a stage reading. And honestly, I think it almost serves us better as a stage reading because of the focus on the words mm-hmm. um, and not the spectacle of it and it is spectacle filled it is uh, you know theatricalism yeah. and it is non-realism and uh it calls for some really intense staging as far as a set and uh we could have gone many different ways with that but i th- i think by stripping it down to the words and only the essential actions in which you need to tell a story I think that we heighten those things. So I'm excited to watch our actors and see what they do with it, yeah. see what you do with it. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. What What drew you to wanting to direct this piece particularly?
1: Um, well Zach gave me the script and told me to look at it. And I, I really loved it because um, I could see everything playing out in my mind, which also plays into the whole uh, reader's theater. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need a big stage to understand what's going on, to see it. But also, I love the mom in the show. She's so yeah. funny. The show is a lot funnier than I probably described it. You would
0: think it's going to be a serious drama, drama, but it's, it's really funny. That's really cool. Yeah. To have those elements of it. I mean, that's what I think a lot of people that don't necessarily ingest a lot of theater think that something has to fit into a box. I mean, yeah. you talk about identity. You talk about, you know, that this is going to be a straightforward, I'm going to learn something and be... Yeah. Sad about Eat your it. vegetables.
2: Yeah. Theater. Yeah, yes,
0: yeah. I yeah. love that. I don't think I've heard of that. Yeah, I like that. But I mean, there can be more things. I mean, if you're a normal person in your everyday life, you're not just going to be a one note thing. I mean, yeah. funny things happen in sad yeah. times. It's <laughs> That's not a great thing.
1: It's not like a family fight throughout. Mm-hmm. It's family banter. Uh, it's genuine relationships and connecting to people. So it's really cool.
2: Yeah, and it, it does I liked the piece honestly. The my favorite part of the piece is the exploration of the relationship between the mother and the father. Mm-hmm. So the mother, who is very supportive of her transgender son. Yes. Um, is very much trying to support she just doesn't know how mm-hmm. and she comes off excuse me, and she comes off a bit helicoptery and a bit trying to be woke but not and out of her element and but trying so hard. Probably that's something
0: people can relate to right now. (laughs) Now she
2: is terrible to her husband Mm -hmm. and you never witness. Correct me if I'm wrong. You never witness the husband being abusive, but there's tales of it Mm -hmm. that it is a shadow over this whole family that he was an abusive father Mm -hmm. and husband an abusive man. And so now you see the patriarchy reduced to a clown. And so you feel for him that he does not understand what's happening with his transgendered son because he can't comprehend. It's only the mother who can comprehend. So even though in our story, your story, it's a physical ailment that happened to the father, which makes him not able to comprehend. I think it is indicative of our current climate of the patriarchy, not being able to grasp the damage it has done, and the times have changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: that's how I read it, anyways, like in a very symbolic, theatrical way. <laughs> um, but at the root of the root, you've got this woman beating up this man emotionally, spiritually, and a little bit physically. I think as yeah, well. I think towards the end. So then you feel for him because he's also a human person. Mm-hmm. So again, anytime we take our our the people we're angry at or uh, and we reduce them into stereotypes, we are missing the point. And so you can't. Every th- I think in the play is really funny. You, you, want, you do feel like the, her actions are just and then she goes too far. Yeah. And you feel like the family's actions are just against this bad, bad man. Even though you've never seen anything he's done. And then you feel bad. So we can't reduce the people whose um, opinions we don't agree with into these like caricatures, they're mm-hmm. also human people. That's now, saying that, some human people are capable of terrible, terrible things, and you should call them on it, and we mm-hmm. need to stand up for people who have no voice. But you're not gonna get where you wanna get by just beating them up. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is voting day, by the way. Yeah, so, so make to, sure to you vote. Good. Yeah, so. uh, vote for what you believe in, and give voice to the voiceless, and don't beat people up hope we can all remember that on
0: voting day that's a good i like that way (laughs) that um i just had something i was going to ask you and i can fight with your voice fight Um, with your vote
2: uh, not to make it political theater's always political (laughs) i was gonna (laughs) say please make it political Um, political. Do you find that having a member of the cast uh, identifying as he and identifying as transgender, what kind of conversations has that created for the cast?
1: I think it makes it more real for the cast mm. because potentially we could have cast anybody in that part, preferably someone who does identify as transgender. But for gender
2: queer. Yeah, gender
1: queer transgender, but. It grounds it a bit more. It makes it a bit more realism, even though Taylor Mac, uh, in the beginning of the script, says it's absurd realism. I believe is the mm. term that he used. Um, but yeah, it makes it real. It makes the connections real, especially between Isaac and Max, uh, the two actors that are playing for him. We haven't talked much about it because, for me personally, it doesn't matter what someone's gender identity if they're still a person uh, we're not going to treat them differently so
2: mm-hmm. yeah and Taylor Mack is the author yes yeah and I think it's what I we were we were I I remember having conversations with Megan about casting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always a great problem to have when you have too many people yes. auditioning and there was some conversations even before casting uh, a little bit about genders and identities about all the actors all well all the characters and it's something like this it really is important as absurd as the situations are and absurd as the characters are Mm -hmm. and how gender identity and gender archetypes are fluid it was important to match the actors and the characters as much as we could on the gender line because that is not absurd no that is that is, the, that is a through line mm-hmm. that is based in reality. Um, it's everything else surrounding it that is also, that is in a different way fluid, that we, you don't wanna, if everything's fluid, then nothing is. Mm-hmm. So we're showing that yes, gender identity is fluid in humans, but in these characters, they are similar to what the actors would self-identify as, so that you can play with the extremes of everything else and you make a statement. Mm-hmm. Is that incorrect in saying that? No, I think that's correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Can I ask just a general theater-y question, correct me if I'm wrong, Please. but absurd as the word is, it means something a little bit different in theater than it does yeah. just in life, right? Can one of Same you thing with realism, sure. yeah.
2: right? So realism is a theatrical movement that came about in the late 1800s, early 1900s that was Uh, based in the idea. Up until that point, it was very, I'm going to stand on the stage, and I'm going to declaim things, and it's going to be poetic, and the audience knew that I can see you, and you can see me, and I'm not really a character. Realism started coming about when we wanted to move away from that. It fell out of fashion, right? And fashion is always this pendulum that's revolting against whatever came before it. There's a reason why jeans go from wide leg to skinny leg pretty hard. (laughs) So the fashion swung pretty hard in this idea that, no, 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 if we show as close to, quote unquote, real life on stage then we find the true essence of the story and it also we were less concerned about the stories of kings and queens and more about man and women, and what they're going against. So that's realism. Absurdism happened, again, it's a pendulum swing. Well, what is real? Who's real? Mm -hmm. And absurdism is very much concerned with our inability as humans to talk to each other and communicate effectively. There's also a little bit of, by this point, we're talking like the 50s, 60s. We now have the ability to atomically wipe each other out. So the bomb happened, right? The atomic bomb. And once that happened, it changed theater in a couple of different ways, a couple of different really quick swings of the pendulum. But the basic thing being, what does life even mean now that we can wipe all of it out? So if we can't communicate with each other, isn't it kind of inevitable that we're going to wipe each other out? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of that in there. And then um, but also if if we can do this and there's this idea of maybe God doesn't exist, then isn't everything important? So absurdism depending on who you ask. It is this idea that we as humans can't really communicate right. We don't really know if God exists anymore. Also we can kill everybody. Isn't that
0: funny. Oh, I'm so glad to ask that because <laughs> that was so much more yeah. even than yeah. so
2: absurd realism. I'm guessing is something grounded in the day to day life of some people, but also bringing into account how absurd it is to try and connect with each other. Yeah, and it, when words fail us, but also how important it is to try. So, like the the cornerstone of absurdism is. Um, Beckett is yes. uh, Waiting for Godot, right? Yes. Yeah. So Waiting for Godot is two guys, they're tramps, like, like just dudes.
0: Mm-hmm. Which Drama Shop is done. Which yes. Drama Shop <laughs>
2: is done. Two dudes in hats waiting <laughs> around for some guy named Godot who, spoiler never shows up. And so you watch it, and you're like, what is the point? And you're like, exactly. <laughs> super deep, super deep. That's also Eat Your Vegetables Theater, but it's fun. Yeah. Depending on who you ask for, it could be really painful too, depending on <laughs> who does it. I would like to think that we don't do that, but you know. Who knows? Who
1: knows? Yeah. My favorite uh, description of what absurd realism is, it's actually in the script. Um, at the beginning, before the play even starts, the author gives a little bit of what these things mean, all this stuff, like how the dialogue should be done. But uh, Taylor Mac described it as if the sun is beaming in on uh, in a window... They put on their sunglasses because it's too bright. And that was his
2: description. Yeah. yeah. I mean and that's like good improv, right? Yeah. Like good improv is let's come up with a really absurd problem. There are dinosaurs walking in the hallway and then we have to find well what the logical thing that yeah. humans do, even if it does isn't logical. Mm-hmm. Well that's what he's talking about right It's illogical to put on sunglasses because the Sun is too bright but that is how we treat each other right and that is how we talk to each other we are pretty illogical when it comes to me being with each other as human beings it is a logical thing for us to treat each other nicely Mm -hmm. because then you'll treat me nicely and then you'll treat my kid nicely and my kid will grow up better right if we're just going logic not heart based yeah we treat each other like garbage, and then we're like, Why is everything so rough? And why is our planet dying? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's illogical the way we treat each other. We're
1: also just very center oriented, we care about ourselves. So, if something happens uh, that from the outside it's not a like. Keisha said, she said, it's not one person's problem, it's everyone's, but we always bring it back to ourselves, like, this person hurt me in
2: this and this way. Yeah, so I'm going to put on sunglasses because it's too bright for me, as opposed to, maybe if I checked in with the group, we could close a window. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Personally, I think it's really funny, even if you don't particularly would go to a show like this, let's say, Um, it's funny, it's a good um, comedic relief for you. But also, even if you take out the identity aspect to it, it's about family. It's about how families treat each other, different dynamics, and it has heart to it no matter what. So yeah, it's free. Yeah, it I was also it because
2: it's free. I mean, yes, it's great, and it's important to expose ourselves to new kinds of theater, and new forms, and uh, dealing with different, uh, you know, topical things. It's free, and
0: yeah. free is
2: right around my price point because <laughs> I am free. Um, yeah.
0: I have one last thing, unless either you have anything else to add about the show specifically. What's good right now? What are you reading? Ooh. What should, if you could leave our, you know, anybody listening to the podcast with, what should you find on Netflix? What are you reading? What's your audiobook? What, what's okay. your deal right now? You can go first. I need to think. I am reading,
2: <laughs> what am I reading?
0: I am reading The Yoga of Eating.
2: Which is really great way of it's not a diet book. (laughs) Uh, It's it is required reading because I'm doing this yoga training, yoga teacher training. But I'm really glad I am. I am by May I'll be a sort of certified Satya yoga teacher. Uh, It's great. It's so great. And so I'm reading this Yoga of Eating, and I can't remember the author, but it's really great way of confronting the messed up way we view food as opposed to being like at a cellular level the way we bring outside energy into our body like the the closest thing we get to being embryotic again which i'm like whoa mind (laughs) right and so talking about that and then i'm watching sabrina the teenage witch yeah is it good oh my gosh i've heard
0: many good things oh my gosh
2: oh my goodness It's super dark.
0: Yeah, super it is. Super dark. I mean, yeah. is it anything like this? No. No? No. No, but okay. I love it. I.
2: It's very, Cause very Because the
0: ads, dark. I feel like they tried to make funny. Like, there's funniness in it. Maybe it'll get there. Kind of funny, I'm not very but deep it's not into funny. it.
2: I love the aesthetic of it. Yes. Mm. Like, it is. I want her wardrobe. Yes. Yeah. Like, I can't tell if it takes place in the 60s. No. I can't tell if they it takes have place now. They have no cell phones, phones like but One point Oh, maybe they do cell phones. I know they have laptops, but they're not on their phone all the time. And their clothes are very like mod, yeah. but contemporary. They deal mm-hmm. with gender politics, yes, uh, mm-hmm. and f- religious freedom, and. Women and men and well, like yeah, it's, it's kind of smashes
1: the patriarchy it, it a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's
2: dark. It. It's, it's on dark. Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> is it all
0: out now? Could one I think binge it? Oh yeah, one had
2: time, which if I do time, not. No. One would binge, but I piecemeal. <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah. So those I recommend. It's super dark. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I want in. I'm gonna start watching it.
1: And I like my what stuff dark. Yeah. Same. Um, well, I'm actually reading Silent Sky by Lauren Gunderson, mm. which is a play about... Uh, I need to look at the names because I forget all the time. So it's about this Henrietta Leave It. Love it? Huh. Who knows? But she is a astronomer, I guess you could say, but it's uh, 1910. So she isn't officially one, but she's discovering and finding patterns in stars and I believe it's a bit biopic
2: but... Someone it, else also recommended that.
0: I think I recommended it to you a you week did, ago. You did, but yeah. someone else did also. Yeah. That means you must read it. Then. I know. Um,
2: Zach actually funny. told
1: me that uh, Lauren Gunderson is on a list of playwrights that you've never heard of, but are... Uh, Performed all the time, and she's one of them. Huh. But yeah, I'm in kind of a reading slum, so when I am, I read plays because yeah. not that they're
0: easier. No, but, but they're, it's, a t- yeah. it's a book you can carry that's digestible. You're yeah. not carrying around, you know, a novel. Of- I don't get bored. It,
1: yeah, See? it's great. But shows, I have been watching The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, I've been re watching <laughs> Shameless, uh, Ooh, US. Yeah. I've seen the UK one too, and I love it. But
2: I the UK one is it's so dirty. dirty. It's I, I mean so the US fake. one is yeah delicious. I know but it's I wa- I tried dirtier? watching the US yeah. one after the UK one I'm like this is baby this is garbage. Also
1: the first episode any time that like there was another show called Skins which was big in the UK oh, yeah. yes okay. try to bring it over to the US same uh, uh, script for the first episodes for both of these two types of shows huh. it's kind of like they're testing the waters over yeah. here before yeah. they what do else more. did they
0: do with the, Misfits. Yeah, like that too. Yeah, the, feel, office. the office for the sure. The Office, um, yeah.
1: But yeah, rewatching Shameless. I'm gonna be watching some David Lynch movies oh. because I love Eraserhead, and I have Hulu. And Amazon and they have some David Lynch movies so yeah. I'm gonna watch that surreal isn't there that
2: list of all the movies you're supposed to watch and he's like Probably. on there all the time yeah
1: he's like the father that's... of surrealist yeah.
2: movies
1: um but I like Mulholland Drive. Drive like I'm the only I one his... I'm sure I no it's it. weird it's it's weird for sure but blue velvet I remember watching a scene when I was a kid because it was on TV and I've had nightmares ever since like I couldn't be in the house alone that much yeah it's like just this ear on the ground and I still remember yeah yeah
2: yeah I remember that, too. I've never seen and it. Actually, I remember I that. It really bothered you've me, You've given me too. so
0: much to... I'll try to link to some of this stuff in the notes Yeah. the podcast. Oh, cool. cool. um, I'm going to throw doody-doo. mine in just because Please. I'm here and I should... I'm listening to... Podcasts are like my super jam right now. Like, yeah. just on Apple Podcasts all the time. Um, Armchair Expert, Dax Shepard's podcast. Oh. Um, I literally... And I'm sorry, Dax Shepard would obviously never listen to... Maybe he would listen to our podcast. Yeah, but I yeah. literally found him through Kristen Bell, his wife. perfect I love, she's and perfect, and I love the good place. And I love I how they talk about his addiction Samsung commercials. all the time. Yes. Well, that's it. He is a recovering addict, and he is so like self-aware all the time when he talks about stuff. And so him and his like you know producing partner Monica Padman like they they talk to these people and they they learn all this stuff. And it's funny because he's even in the conversations with people he'll have. I was listening to his one with Catherine Hahn today, and they're talking about the me too movement and they're talking about you know the white man's the white straight catholic cis man's role in everything and you even hear dex get a little bit defensive about it just because he is that white but then he always comes back at the end do what's called the fact check at the very end um and he's just like dude i was that was i listened to this and and i am sorry too because and it's within the podcast like it's not like he addresses it later there's been several times where he's just like I thought I was serving this by being like, yes, but, you know, it's not me and everything. He comes back around. Same thing with an episode he did with Amy Schumer, where he was like, I didn't fully listen to her experience and let her, you know. Explain it, but you know, this is why I was wrong, and you know, I'm so, and I'm like, just that kind of self awareness yeah. that he has wow. is really interesting. I find that really fascinating, and I think it's something that a lot of people could learn from. And plus, it's just really funny because Dax Shepherd's really he funny. Is funny. <laughs> and yeah. Kristen Bell's been
2: on two episodes. So, oh, okay. anything to help me be a better listener. It,
0: yes, and that's what he talks about all the time. It, it almost feels like the entire thing is one big case study in Dax becoming a better listener. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and cool. then he has his producer, like Monica, sitting in the corner, and like she'll kind of like check him every once in a while like but yeah so armchair expert that's that's my jam right now there's they've been doing it for like a year and a half now i used to say
2: i wish i could have a stenographer follow me around so i could be like no you said that although i would only want it for fights (laughs) i think what i actually (laughs) need is a fact checker and that's what they do at
0: the end they call it the fact check like the elena bs
2: (laughs) caller outer and be like you're lying right now be like yeah i am i am lying i just want to be interesting be like, oh, okay.
0: Don't we all? Isn't that? What oh my god! Out? If I stopped, oh, I lie.
2: I lie to be interesting. That's or not, or does not hurt people's feelings. Yeah, that's
0: yes. Or I, yeah,
2: or because I ate all the cookies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you both. Yeah, they're both you. wonderfully interesting people. You're wonderfully. And thank you, and and here is wonderfully interesting, and we should come see it. This will hopefully yeah. be out uh before or on election day. Vote. So if this is before eight p.m. or whenever your polls close on election day, eight p.m. Get there. Vote. Please. And then we'll see you at Drama Shop this weekend. Because it's free. (laughs) Great.